discover more compassionate relations with human beings, but how can we develop compassionate relations with the other creatures with whom we share this planet? There's an us before the wound, there's an us before oppression, and let to be pleasure is a way that we tap down into that. everyone. Welcome to the Total Liberation Podcast. It is Mexi, and today we're talking to a great new friend of mine in Toronto, Jesse Njau from Zawadi Farm. As many of you likely know, I'm in the process of transitioning from being a full-time academic into gardening and urban agriculture work, which is infinity and one times better for my physical health as someone with long-standing chronic illness and much better for my mental health too, honestly. And I feel like this path will help me to better practice living the revolution into being, better connecting myself with community and the ecosystems around me. And Jesse has been such a major inspiration for me and has been really kind and generous enough to let me come work with Zwati Farm and kind of learn the ropes. So today we're talking about urban farming for the people, what is possible and what could be possible in terms of urban food security, real resilient community-driven food systems, and real reciprocity with each other and our environments, even in urban and suburban settings. Jesse's story is really motivating and his passion is just contagious, so I hope you all will be as jazzed about this as I am. If you enjoy these podcasts and take something from them, please consider becoming a monthly supporter at patreon.com slash total liberation. You can join our discord where we hold bi-monthly community chats. The show is 100% donor funded and we appreciate everyone who makes it possible. If you don't have the means, no problem. You can share the episodes with friends or family. And if you have a minute or so, you can give us a good rating and review on whichever podcast app you listen to us on. That helps us immensely with discoverability. So thank you so much to all of our supporters and now on with the show. It's a very interesting whenever I'm asked to introduce the, the project because when I first started this project, I did not have the mind that I'm having. I think we, we can talk about that later. But um, uh, when I first started this project and my life wasn't in this mind space of growing food for people, so that change was something I'm really still I'm still growing into it. So to introduce myself right now, I would say I'm a constant learner. I am a adaptive, positive, um, inquisitive individual, and um, I love growing in community and people. I, I love the the complexity of the human race itself. The way we are. Uh, interconnected with our difficulties and differences, I somehow, for some odd reason, love everything about that. Uh, since since being a kid, I've always liked the oddest group of people. I want to be in the midst of this to understand why, why people <laughs> are odd. It's just the way I, I am. But um, the community part is really important, and um, it's it's what has driven me in everything I've done since I was a kid. I love being with people. I love being 
amongst conversations that are, you know, growing and edifying. Um, so it kind of bleed into why my farm is the way it is. And because I want everybody to fit in, especially when it comes to food. Um, I guess we could talk more deeper into why food is important, but I find it to be a, a very common, simple denominator. And I want to position my work to fit in that space whereby we can have meaningful conversations and there's food involved. Right. And it's, it's a guilty pleasure for myself because I love food of every kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can create food conversations. I'm all in, like, bring it on. Let's go eat and let's talk and let's decipher life. But um, my work is simply growing in the city. I grow, I'm an urban farmer here in Toronto and uh, we grow on uh, backyards, any, any growing space we have. Mostly we have access to backyards, uh, but we are pushing for front yards or pushing for rooftops or pushing for any access that we can have with any growing space. Uh, currently, we have about uh, three and a quarter acre, uh, and we we service about a hundred homes for twenty five weeks of the our outside growing experience. And as I was sharing with you before me, behind me right now, this is the uh, our, our all year round growing operation. We grow microgreens in here. Um, we are capable of growing two hundred trays, and trays are. Uh, it's about a four feet wide uh, space. I can put four trays in there. I can put 21 rack. So we can put 200 racks, uh, sorry, 220 racks and 200 growing spaces around this place. So uh, that's our, our winter growing capacity. Um, so my work is, is, is it, it's diverse. I want to talk to people. I want to meet with people. I want to converse around food. I want to grow food. But mostly I want to equip people to understand the value of food so that mm. It's not that you look at me and think, oh, good, you're a farmer. How did you, how, how, how man, it's amazing how it, it looks like a PhD level of access, or it's just simply farming is, is honestly the lowest denomination is it is just showing up, just be present. And that's, that's, if anything in the resume, you can show up to a farm and say, I can, I can do something, just show your availability. And that's it. Even the plants ask you for that. The soil requires it for that. And then slowing mm -hmm. down the time, my friend called, coined it best, you know, flowing at the speed of nature. Mm. Right, and I, that to me is something I've I've always kept up with, because with humans we kind of like we will talk about my my previous um, career where in tech it's it's the opposite, mm -hmm. right? You want to chase ahead of time, so that when people meet you, you're you've already prepared, you've you've created, you've you've governed, you've protected, and then when they meet you, you raise your prices up because now you're valuable, right? Mm -hmm. in, in in plant life, it's the opposite. Mm. right it's completely the opposite just be present you can't chase the beet until it, it's matured and ready to be harvested right There's nothing you can do you can't harvest it ahead of time you can't wait you know you have to you have to flow at the rate of the plants that you are in the maturity time they require mm -hmm. for the nutrients to be ideal for the growing uh, then you, your job is just being a steward right mm -hmm. and oh. that, that is it i love that sorry I can, I can talk more but i just want to just give you that. It's it's kind of hard whenever I hear introduce myself. Unless you yes. have to think of where in the flow of nature I'm in. But this is. I hope I've I've answered your question ideally. Absolutely, yeah. I and I absolutely love that that idea of flowing at the speed of nature. I think that's beautiful. I think that's something that we talk about a lot on the show. Really, is kind of like moving with the seasons. Um, you know, and and you talk about conversations. You know, moving at the speed of trust with other people and moving at at the speed of nature. Right. That's just so 
what we should be doing and, you know, moving away from this ridiculous corporate rush rat race that we're in that takes us nowhere but disaster. So <laughs> I just don't think that the, this, the, the opportunity we have, especially with the floor that I'm talking about, um, and, and you think of yourself, you're a vessel. This, this, this body we have is a vessel. There's something that even uh, today scientists don't understand about the spirituality that affects this whole vessel that it is. So there's nothing I can say that I understand and I know and I'm, I'm, perfecting, I'm perfecting it. I don't, I'm learning. Mm. Every day I'm in this land, I am learning. And I can come in with preset ideologies, which I can share with you how this farm started. But the ideology I came in with was I knew because I read books and assumed what it is. But what my friend told me, dude, you can't, that's not going to happen. You have to flow with it. Mm. And the biggest other lesson I learned, one of the biggest, there's so many big lessons, but my friend Hannah Hunter, which I'll mention, I'll mention her later in the conversation, she told me, you can learn what my farm is doing, but you cannot replicate what my farm is doing because your farm is a different climate, mm. right? And there could be a fence separate, right? But your farm is separate, is different from mine. The soil capacity, the soil nutrients, everything is different. So you can learn what it is that my her farm, like I learned what a farm was doing, but I had to now understand my farm. I had to, to flow and understand it and understand the soil, the requirements, the nutrients, the water flow, the, the plants, the, the light, the salty, the pH, all those other things is very specific to where I was growing. Mm -hmm. So that to me allowed me to learn how to just learn. That's great. But then give my space, my, myself space to learn and adapt to where I'm going to implement what I learned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that too. And I love how you said that, you know, it's, um, you don't need a PhD in this stuff, like you just need to show up because I think that a lot of people, it can be kind of intimidating, right? So I'm someone who has a PhD, but I'm moving away from that, right? Like I'm trying like you to kind of transition into this new life where I am more connected with the soil. I am, you know, doing this kind of work and just flowing, you know, trying to get into that flow, but it can be really intimidating because you feel like, oh, well, you know, I don't have any skills, I don't have this or that. But as you said, you know, like, just, you just need to show up and like, you will learn, like, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll go with the flow, you'll, you'll pick things up, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's an interesting piece there where, as you are learning, you're adapting to something that you did not have before. Mm -hmm. Because when I came into to when I, when I moved from tech into farming, I came in with a business plan, the day one, day two budget breakdown, you know, all those other things. I had started a farmer's market for myself and other farmers. I had just acquired 7,500 square foot. I had never learned or even spent a day planting a seed in the ground. <laughs> yeah. All right. And if all my friends, my friends know this, I am a trial by fire kind of guy. If I, if I read something, that's great, but I have to put it in the fire to see the validity of it. That's just how I'm wired, but I don't, everybody's different, but I did it all. I did it. I came into this space gun blazing. And luckily I had friends who told me, dude, it's the opposite. It's completely the opposite. Instead of mm -hmm. going and, and growing food and hoping somebody will buy, you go meet the community first and mm -hmm. tell them you're growing and tell them the value of what you're growing and they support you. And that's mm -hmm. part of the CSA conversation we're going to talk about later, but that's what that system is, is you don't try to grow and then maybe go to sell. No, no, you go talk to people mm -hmm. and tell them what you're going to grow. And they, in the trust aspect, where you know where the flow, speed of a uh, flow of trust, that's what you mentioned, 
which is beautiful. This is all it is, mm. is I am just your neighbor, but I'm growing food, but I'm going to grow more than I can eat. Do you want in? And many people are like, yeah, like we have a hundred people with yeses mm-hmm. and we'll put their name and money to it. Right. And they, I, I didn't give them a resume. I didn't give them like, you know, like they just trusted that the value I'm putting into my life and my work I'm doing is benefiting not just myself, but themselves also. Mm-hmm. Right? And that journey together is where I, I was, as I was to earlier, that community growth aspect is where I really want Toronto to be in is, mm-hmm. is, you know, imagine going to, you know, what, coming up to Scarborough and, and, and it's just, this, this, is, this is a place where all the peppers of Toronto come from. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like this is a pepper country, or it could be a potato. I don't know. Just the diversity of content that could come from. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. You know, how resilient is that economy? So you just you just reset that mindset for me, where I had to stop thinking of the business plan, the 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 you know protecting what I've learned so I can I can IP it. You know, <laughs> this is my thing. You know, this is what I've started. So it's no, it, it doesn't flow. It doesn't work. And and that's the part about flowing the speed of nature is nature doesn't give you back a single seed of tomato. When you put a single seed down, you don't get a single seed back. You get mm-hmm. thousands back, thousands. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. most of which you will throw away, which will mean nothing to you because you've had enough. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the power of what nature is. And so if we can kind of, and that's what I've started seeing is I have um, the abundance versus the uh, scarcity mindset is the food that I'm growing is so much I can mm-hmm. feed a hundred people and I have extra left mm-hmm. and even though I donate that extra I have extra left even though I said to a chef said to what I still have extra left so you I'm, I'm always constantly left with why are we fighting over food yes yeah it's thing it's it that's why to me I'm still working through this maybe you can help me in, in, a, in another conversation is is I don't understand how food and waste is used in the same sentence. Mm. I don't I don't get how those two words work because it can't be. So I had this epiphany of sitting down eating a meal, you know, I have a plate of food. And so I'm, I'm looking at the plate and thinking, so where does waste begin? Is it because I'm eating right now and then I push the plate ahead so it's now waste then? Is it so am I eating waste? Is that kind <laughs> of like the waste? Like where's that line that crosses that says that is waste and this is food? Like, mm. like it's so odd i think the problem we have <clears throat> excuse me is not a problem of food and waste we have a problem of abundance and enough mm-hmm. right we don't know what is enough and don't know that we're living in abundance because the question now is if you look at the tomato plant and giving you so much and you've stored you've kept but your neighbor is hungry but because of the disconnection which we're going to talk more i think i keep saying that but we're going to dig into that more because to me that's where the problem lies is we are so disconnected that this becomes a big issue because if i have just made myself bags and bags of tomato sauces and i i don't know my neighbor next literally next door doesn't have access to food i'm gonna throw away the rest because i don't care of anything else by myself but Mm -hmm. if i'm connected and i understand just knock on the door hey i have 10 sauces are you in? And mostly people were like, yeah, give me some of that action. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, that's such a great point. And yeah, because I mean, capitalism itself is is based on this idea of scarcity that like there's scarce resources so that we need to have only some people at the top who control all of those resources. And then we distribute them via commodities, right? So food has to be commodified. It can't be something that is communal and is something that everyone can grow themselves and access themselves and whatever, right? Like it, it's, it's like they've locked up the food so that we have to work to make wages to buy the food. And then we're so disconnected so that, yeah, if, if, if some of us are working, but we don't have enough money to make the food, then we have no food, right? So it's, it's just, it's such a, a terrible system, but, um, but yeah, I'm loving everything that you're saying. It's so, so wonderful. Um, so maybe you talked a bit about your background. Maybe we can move into, um, cause you did used to work in it. So I guess, tell us about, you know, what drove you to leave that life and start this project and what the vision was, you know, initially for, for the farm. Yeah, I'll go a little bit back uh, into um, uh, my, my career. Um, technology was never part of my what I wanted to do. So, in fact, I was talking to my son yesterday and sharing with him what actually um, drove me. I think it was serendipitous how I ended up in tech. Um, I was not a great uh, student uh, in school. I, I think I knew what I wanted to do, but I did not know what it was yet. Uh, even uh, I loved sciences. Sciences was my thing. Chemistry, physics, mathematics, all those things were like my, I loved them. But just the way the education was presented, I, was, I just felt not, it did not seem to vibe with how I wanted to use what I was learning. Mm-hmm. And that kind of messed up the whole thing. So I didn't do well in my grade eight. I didn't, we, I, sorry, we were, I grew up in Kenya, by the way, in, in just a little bit of a back history. Um, and I came to Canada not too long ago, and the education system then was eight four four. So it's eight years of grade school, and at the end of the eighth year, you have one exam. If you fail that, you're out, mm. like you're done for life. Wow, grade eight, and then you, if you pass that, you have four years of high school. If you fail the fourth year exam, you're out. You can't go to university, and no university will take you or even talk to you. You're done. Wow. Wow. Right. It's 844 system. It was brutal. Mm. I didn't make, I didn't do well in my grade eight. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to go to a high school that was, my gosh, it's a big story, but I can just put some cool notes. I just bring how I got into tech world. But I grew up, uh, sorry, I went to a high school in the country. And the country was all farmlands. And all the students that came to that boarding school were kids of farmers. That's who I grew up with. But I didn't, I, I didn't think of it, of anything because I'm a, I was a city kid in a rural area. So I had to unlearn the city life to learn the rural life. And it, it was such an, it was great. It was a great four years, but the toughest four years of my life. We can, there's so much to this story. I can, uh, but I'll just give you next time you and I sit down, well, I can share with you. But mm-hmm. it was tough. I mean, yeah, it's just toughness. So imagine living in a, a third world rural boarding school, access to water is minimal, access to food is abysmal, if not any, and it's cold, you're not allowed to wear anything warmer than school uniform, and it is almost military-esque. You know, it was a tough four years of my life, but it, it was where I got to hone my uh, personality, myself, and understand people, read people, get to know uh, all that flow, but. But that bled into, uh, that's my high school. And then luckily I was, after high school, my, my mom really forced me to go into this. Um, I didn't really want to buy a computer school, 
But when I went into it, it was like, yes, just the way everything was, the teachers were, basically what I was seeking to learn in science, I met in computer science. And the teachers I was with were, and I was learning, uh, you know, if you have listeners will we'll, we'll, we'll flow with us, but uh, DOS, you know, that, yeah. the first, before <laughs> Windows, DOS, and Windows 3.1.1. I remember when the first Windows, you know, UI came out and all of us were like 256 yeah. colors? No way. <laughs> that was huge. Yeah. That was huge. Those, those big floppy disks and the two, <laughs> two and a half. You remember those days? Yeah. yeah, those yeah. Were, that's how I got into tech. My class was so rudimentary that you did not, the first year you were not allowed to touch a computer, but you need to understand the basics. And it was a tough, tough year, but uh, school, but uh, I really enjoyed the teacher. So I tech just found me and it fit everything that I wanted to learn in science. Uh, so I, I moved into uh, deep into uh, the second year, which is another uh, thing that I learned, which is uh, systems architecture, which is what my training is. And oh my gosh, it was so awesome, man. We're writing code, we're writing new systems and, and implementing new structures. In fact, my graduating piece was to uh, the school I was in, I wrote the program to help them determine what classes were doing well and which ones were not. And I wrote the algorithm for that. And they actually, with that, they could, they built more schools out of it, which is really cool. Um, so it was really nice. Tech just found me and I love that flow of new things and stuff like that. But the more I got into it and, and brought me into Canada, actually tech is what, what brought me to up, up to this country. Um, uh, and, and the deeper I got into it, um, I started seeing a trend that was forming, which was the disconnection of humanity and the systems that were built were based on that, you know? So the further away we were disconnected, the better the systems were working. Mm. And this was, as we, we know them today as, as, as names that we just call like back of our hands, the Facebook, the, the Instagrams, all the social connections that we think are connections, but disconnections uh, that can be used on both sides. But uh, I started seeing that trend and I started questioning the work I was doing and even my guys I was working with, I'm like, do you guys see this? And they're like, no, the money's good. Don't get me wrong, the money was great. Mm -hmm. I was traveling all over the world, it was fantastic. But I was seeing even the people I was with, there was that sense of competitive disconnection. You know, what I have, you shouldn't have until I have done everything in it, with it and I've owned it. Mm -hmm. Then I will give you a snippet of it of which you pay. Right. And that was the strands of all the tech pieces I was working with. And I was sitting back and it was eating at my spirit because, again, like I said, that's not the way I was brought up. That's not, not the way my 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 innards, my this vessel, my spirit that, that that it is. I use the word spirit a lot, so I apologize to, to anyone else who doesn't get it. No, it's but great. It's just the way it didn't fit. And I was it actually led me to a very depressive state. I was I became. Um, just I actually went, I became a lot suicidal about, about this because it could, I could not fathom the fact that I was building something that was paying me well, but yet it was going against everything my, everything my, my being was wired for. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember I went to Kenya for, to, uh, for a month for a business trip. And when I came back, my daughter and my family met me at the airport and she took a second look at me. It was more like high end, but then it was, it was a millisecond, you know, but I looked at that and thinking it was one of those slow motion and spaces in time 
where it was like in the matrix when that cat came in twice yeah i'm like something's wrong this is not the right picture i should be looking at i mean my family should be happy that i'm here not like second guessing you're here kind of you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it it changed everything i was like i'm done I dropped, I dropped all my clients. I dropped everything about tech. And, and of course that, that, you know, I, I wrote it, I wrote, I wrote this down in my, in my diary. I said, I climbed up a hill only to realize I'm looking at the wrong vista mm. and I had to descend. There's no other, I could not stay up there. I had to come down and just that, that downward thing was, Oh my gosh, was intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, uh, luckily a friend of mine, uh, who's a close friend of mine, she's a wife of a very close friend of mine. And she called me once and she said, Jesse, I have a podcast you need to listen to. I'm thinking about farming. Like, dude, what? I'm a tech. <laughs> you know that ego that comes with tech? Yeah. I had it, man. It was like, what do you mean? I'm a tech guy. I'm an entrepreneur. You don't believe farming. But you know what's funny? Um, I did not know I was doing this because growing up, uh, remember the, the class, uh, the, the 844 system I was sharing with you, with you earlier? It was based on the idea, actually, my dad was reminding me every time and everybody else was reminding me, if you fail in education, mm. you'll become a farmer. That was what was brought to me. And that's what I understood. And every time we drove through the city, it was saw a farmer with like bags of potatoes pushing into market. You're like, you'll become that guy. <laughs> you know, if you don't study hard and become whatever, you'll mm. become that guy. Every time we drove through the city or into the country and you see the guy with like, you know, the shoes are beat up, but he's, he's just muscling stuff or she's muscling stuff. And there's a lady I saw, oh my gosh, this is a fantastic, I, so bananas grow in a big bunch, right? The big trunk of a bunch. Yeah. She lifted it with her hand. <laughs> wow. 100 to her back. Like you try that. Yeah. And you'll be in hospital tomorrow with a pro- back problems. <laughs> like she 100 that butt boy. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. But they're like, Yo, no, no, that's the lowest denominator of a human being. Study, you know, become a doctor, whatever, C-class, whatever things they're putting up there. Mm-hmm. Others, you become that person. So when I was told, listen to this podcast, that ego thing came up, like protectionism. Like, no, you got to, you will be, you got to fight. You know, I'm like, but but I, I knew where I was. I, I, I remembered, I climbed that hill and it was, something's not right. So. I took a listen to this podcast and it was a CBC podcast uh, of a, a gentleman by the name of, um, uh, he, he runs Soul Food Farms. His name is Michael. And uh, he said, uh, he was talking about and just presenting his farm. So his farm is in Vancouver, still active today. Uh, it's in, when he started it, it was in the downtown east side of Vancouver. If, if, if anyone knows, that is the toughest, roughest part of Vancouver, the city. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes the opposite way and avoids that. But that's where he started this this thing, this this urban farm on for a parking lot of all things. Wow. He just brought in totes, loaded up with soil and started growing. But not even that, he started bringing in the community to participate in that, mm-hmm. right? And the, there's a phenomenal book that he wrote, um, Michael Abelman, and, uh, and I was reading that book and it was a healing moment, even listening to that podcast and getting his, I binge read, basically after that podcast, I, 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 I got books upon books and I spent a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and a Monday, four days, just binge reading everything about urban farming mm-hmm. and especially the one he was doing. 
But what got me were two stories. One was the community itself that came to farm and just participate in that local small farm. They started finding life in that. One story that he, he shared, and I hope I'm not butchering it, and I apologize if I do. So of course there's these problems with with uh, with drugs and, and, and things that are that are really rehabilitating with that are active there, but two of their staff members in uh, so so they only work in the summer season and the winter season is just a lull because they can't really do much outside. But they they met each other and both of them were kind of high, and they looked at each other without saying anything and they said I don't want to see you ever like this. I've seen you when you're healthy and happy and working on the farm. And they're kind of talking to each other in a, in a, one of that third dimension, so to speak. <laughs> uh -huh. And they went out of using, using, and then started farming more, and more so bringing in their sons and daughters and and their family to participate and grow. And Michael was phenomenal with this. He decided not to go in front of the farm and start selling to other people. No, he put that community in the forefront of selling the produce. So when you went to market, you will might meet Michael there giving you fruits to eat, strawberries and stuff, but the people selling are the people from that community that you, that you avoided earlier. But they're the growers now and they're healing, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're left to that notion of, wait a minute, they I would never they would never have a resume I could, I could hire them. They th there's no past or or or, or future that I can I can invest in. But that they're giving me life and they're growing life. That was mind blowing for me mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter who, what you are from whatever walks of life, whatever orientation of things that you're in, you're welcome. You're welcome to participate in it. That to me was so beautiful because that was my IT world flipped, right? Mm -hmm. It was upside down. Mm -hmm. And instead of being drained from it, it was equipping, right? And as you know, you and I work together, you know, it's hard work. Yeah, right? <laughs> it is. It's not, yeah. but it, it's, it's, my friend put it best, you know, it's, it's hard work, but it's good heart work. Yes. Right. Because at the end of it, I went home happy. I don't know about you. Mm -hmm. but I, oh, I was so happy. I was so right? happy. There's something, mm -hmm. why, why is that? Why is that weird? I wasn't like, oh, it's Friday. I want to party. I didn't feel that. Cause you felt like you did something, you know, like your muscles are all sore. You're like, look, look what I can show for today. Like I planted all this garlic. I chilled all this soil, you know, like it's, you feel like you've really done something. <laughs> that, and that is the power that we need to bring to the masses. Mm -hmm. That simple, simple, simple chemical feeling of accomplishment. It's scientific. Mm -hmm. When you do something you can look back and say, look at that. We planted 600 bulbs of garlic down on the ground and that is done mm -hmm. and you're going home to have a meal and to rest and participate in a conversation you are not looking forward i'm gonna get drunk and so i can fall asleep it, that's not in the vibe there there's mm -hmm. accomplishment there's there's a sense of health that's mm -hmm. generated with that and i and i really challenge anyone to to look into this further because I have, I have friends who are in, in, uh, in science and they've, they've, they've proven this. There's one actually I'm, I'm digging into right now where there's a chemical in the soil. It's actually one that you breathe that actually gives you a sense of an endorphin rush of mm. a, not just awake, but present. Wow. You know? And just in the soil, it's free. It's, it's abundant. 
right? And this is what I'm trying to get at in that abundant versus scarcity mindset, right? There's all this stuff are there, but we've just been disconnected from it. And, and it's something we need to really reset. So coming from tech, very depressive, thinking of suicidal thoughts, I was just thinking about, I'm gonna end it all. Why, why am I even here? To mm -hmm. a full reset of, I have so much to live for, and I'm not afraid of dying because everything I'm doing is my son knows about it. My daughter knows about it. My son can equip and teach. My daughter can do the same. Dude, I am, if you check me out today, great. I have <laughs> no problem, like mm -hmm. zero, mm -hmm. you know? And that to me is where I find a piece that I want to change uh, into growing into this and thinking of what my vision into what my project is about. I would like people to hone this, to understand it, and, and not to have the fear of not knowing, but instead have the fear of not knowing, instead of, and, and, and also use that to open up the space to, if you don't know, then you have the capacity to learn. Then let's mm -hmm. jump into that, mm -hmm. you know, and each other. And, and the best thing, I, uh, um, uh, one of my mentors told me, the best lessons are the lessons you teach. Mm -hmm. Right. So as much as I'm learning this stuff, I need to teach and equip. And the more I equip, the better I learn. Right. And that's that to me is a vision I want I want to have as a Toronto, uh, I don't just Toronto itself. I mean, just just the whole vibe of everyone in, in the city and cities around us to have the vibe of, you know, I'm growing to feed you and I'm another person is thinking, I'm sure I'll support you to equip you. You know, there's there's that commonality that goes within and I'm willing I'm willing to give you space to learn. I'm willing to give you space to fail. And as you do fail, fail forward, learn from other people around you. You know, one example I, I will share quickly is, uh, was the first uh, Ecological Farmers Association of Ontario meeting, uh, first one I ever went to. And um, first year, of, after my first year of farming and my tomatoes were decimated. I didn't understand what happened. I did everything right, but mm. they just died. And not just, I mean, the whole, 50, 200 feet of tomatoes gone and very confused. My friend told me, uh, you know what? It's just blight. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. And my other Italian neighbors are telling me, well, it's, it's the bad rain. I'm like, well, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And I want to learn. So when we went to this uh, conference, there's a gentleman who came in and my friends forced me to go into this conference room. Like, you gotta, you gotta listen to this dude. And it was a packed room. And he started sharing about his farm and his practices. And he started talking about things, something called a fungal network. I'm like, what the heck is that? I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> and he started unpacking how before even they started farming, they focused on the fungal network as the first pillar of their farm. Mm. And they did everything. They did everything. Inoculation, uh, added wood, and, and just the whole thing. They did a phenomenal job. So as the story goes, he asked, so uh, in, he asked the room, how many people are affected by blight? My hand went up first. I'm like, yeah, I got beat up. Everything died. And 98% of that room, all of us had our hands up, you know, and his hand stayed down. A couple others stayed down. I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> this, is, this is not just this. this EFAO has people that come in from the state. So it's, it's a wide capture of, of how bad this, this blight thing was. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking, I, I was like, so... What did you do? First thing in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, pesticides or something chemical he used. And it's like, no, we just had a strong fungal network. And I'm like, buddy, do tell what happened. <laughs> well, he said this, that blight did come to his farm. 
the only difference is when when the blight hit the first layer of tomatoes because the tomatoes being dug in and into the root network of the the fungal network it was able to communicate and ask you know i'm being attacked on this side we are being attacked and we need nutrients to protect us and you, it and then things they, and this is what he was just explained and this is by the way it sounds science, science fiction but if anyone would check out the fungal network, it will blow your mind. It mm -hmm. is incredible. So throughout the soil, throughout the communication of just healthy soil, the nutrients that it needed to protect itself were sent to the roots of that. And the plants were able to block the blight from coming into the farm. That's amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely mind-blowing. I'm so glad you brought this up because, <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up because we actually just did um, a couple of my friends and I just did a podcast on plant sentience and we read um, the hidden life of trees and these other books that talk about that talk about exactly this. And it, it yeah, it, it, it does sound like science fiction, but they're all connected. They're all communicating. They're all protecting each other as a community under there. And it's so wild. Even the chemical language in there. Yeah. They actually are communicating. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's just it's it's me. I am sick, guys. Something is wrong with me. Yeah. And my community, if something is wrong, and it's like, oh yeah, we got you. We okay. That's what's coming in. You need this. You need this. You need this. You need this. And you have all the nutrients you need mm -hmm. to combat everything that's hitting you, because your survival is not just for your survival. It's a communal survival. It's yes. just yeah. mind blowing. Yes. And it's incredible. that just threw me into, I got to understand more because uh, as a geek in everything I do is like, I, I, I went on a deep dive. I bought every book I could find on this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's an incredible, incredible space in time where I look around us as humans and thinking, oh my gosh, we've messed up. Yeah. As individuals, as, as systems we've created, I thinking that the, the scarcity conversation we and I talked just a little too earlier. Mm -hmm which goes much, much deeper than that, where whatever you need is put in a scarcity capacity so that you can commercialize it. Mm -hmm. Where in nature, it's based on abundance. That tomato plant wasn't one plant. They had, I forget how many acres of it. I mean, it was a lot of it. Mm -hmm. So the amount of effort that soil had to push to protect that vast fungal thing coming in to destroy, supported and backlogged it and stopped it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how can you quantify that? Yeah. You know? And so yeah. that I say that because the more I understand these lessons, I want to bring them out to people to understand and saying there's so much more than self in farming, mm -hmm. a whole lot more than that. Mm -hmm. And the more we think of self and me, myself and packing for me, the hoarding aspect to, to opening up to saying, I'm learning, I'm a vessel, I'm understanding but I want to learn more. You open up so much space for all of us to create a resilient economy. Mm -hmm. But that goes much deeper, but anyway. Yeah, oh, I'm so glad you brought that, that up. And and yeah, speaking of how humans have messed up, because um, I was reading that in industrial agriculture, um, we basically obliterated the plant's ability to communicate with each other. So I guess probably the fungal network isn't working well in the in those environments. So they can't they can't protect each other as a community. So we're we're taking that that amazing skill that they've developed over 
you know, millennia <laughs> and we're depriving them of that, right? So that's just... Look at forests. I mean, think about it. We've never, ever gone to a forest and say, my gosh, this thing's mis- you need to fertilize the forest. It's dying. Have you ever heard of that? The forest, mm-hmm. it's healing and, and sustaining itself longer than we've been here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So to us, the naivete of me thinking I can come and solve with my chemical understanding to solve it's it's a weird thing. It and it's why I always I, I read this book Ego is the Enemy, uh, and and I'm, I'm, it 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 put that that tech ego in check, you know, and I had to understand that you know you're coming in and this again that tech brain into farming brain is it's it's <laughs> I have to catch myself many times like don't do do back off it's not it's not what it is I have to really catch myself but the the context is that when you when we farm there's so much underneath the soil itself. The roots that are there, the, just the conversations between the, the top layer to the bottom layer is, is, is so vital to our existence that we don't, we don't really, we should, I should say don't, we should pay attention to. Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm saying this is the waters that we, we drink, the, the floods that we suffer from, the heat problems that we have, all those things are part and parcel of this exact same thing. So, in fact, one of my, my back to, I'll, I'll be bringing some vision statements, but one, one of it is I would like the city of Toronto to, to actually start looking at this open rooftops, especially factories that Amazon has, uh, Amazon warehouses. And if you've ever fly around the city, you'll see those big, massive acreages of, of rooftops, just dead, dry and open. Mm-hmm. The amount of heat coming out of those buildings is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The reason why the city just allows that to happen and don't and doesn't question yet we struggle with heat and, and other problems of, of energy consumption, yet we allow those buildings to happen at the same time, there's a, again that disconnection comes up, that word of disconnection, it's still there. So mm-hmm. my vision is if we can as as a city say, if you have a rooftop, it's gotta have a lit it has to be hundred percent living. Mm-hmm. You gotta put something there that will mitigate the heat consumption either hitting the building or coming out of it has to work it. But even simple pollinators will be fine. Annuals, things that come up all the time, perennials, mm-hmm. make those things that are active in those spaces. Gas stations, imagine this, when a gas station comes out, you can't use that land for so long. They have to, they have to excavate the, 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 the toxicity of the soil that has bled into it. And you can't use that space for anything for a while. Mm-hmm. How is that okay? Mm-hmm. And what makes you think that co- that contaminants are just still in that same spot and they bleed it through anywhere? Right. That's in our rivers. That's in our waters. That's in what we are rehabilitated to drink back. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just shocks me that we, you know, in that fungal network where we we look at and 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 check out anything. This is where, as humans, we should have that sen- sentient mindset of these things affect us, and as mm-hmm. a city. You know, if you're a gas station, you have a pollinator and you have to have a way to remunerate that soil before you leave or even when you're there. It's mm-hmm. got to be. Mm-hmm. Fine, figure it out or else mm-hmm. your license is revoked. Mm-hmm. We have to be that strict because it's not just, and this where um, um, I love the, uh, uh, the Iroquois uh, seven generations mindset is you don't participate in anything that will not support or last seven generations in the future. Mm-hmm. That to me, so it should be part of what, as a city, we live on. Mm-hmm. If you're coming with a great business model, fantastic. 
how many generations are you thinking? One? No, thank you. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, Amazon, you only here just to package this for a year? That's it? No, thanks. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks. Like, just, yeah. just be, be that ridiculous and say no. You know, if, if we need to hire people with bicycles to go get stuff and whatever, be inconvenient, you know, why not? Why, why not think of things that will support us in a way that it's not just my generation, it's not just our generation, it's not just my kids or their kids, mm-hmm. like further on, but the water should be better, their climate should be better. Mm-hmm. You know, the food should be accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how are those weird or, or um, how, what, what am I looking for? That should not be a drastic thought. Yeah. No, absolutely. It should absolutely. not be a drastic thought. Like, why? Mm-hmm. Why can't mm-hmm. I tell Amazon? Of course, your billion trillion dollar <laughs> That's your trillion, not mine. Yeah. Right? That's nothing to you. I'm happy you're a trillion, but I am, there's not, that does not mean anything to me because my kids, it will not benefit them. Mm-hmm. Right? So show me. Show me how you're going to support them seven, seven generations down. Mm-hmm. And, and give us a plan. Yeah, I know we we need mass movements and because because it's not going to come from the top because you know the the people the people at the top are making all this money right so that's why they're not gonna they're not gonna look seven generations into the future so we as the people need to like come together and really force that and really bring this this stuff to light right that is what that what we're talking about here is you figuring out that you can grow it's not a it's not if you don't understand find me find other farmers like myself who will show you spend time with us we'll show you how to do it it's not rocket science it mm-hmm. isn't mm-hmm. the only science there is is understanding the soil and the chemical conversations that's it the mm-hmm. rest is just plant the seed and take care of it and be present yeah like everybody can mm-hmm. you know once we eliminate that and just create that reconnection of humanity Mm-hmm. That in fact, it's the celebration of differences. And that's what I was trying to say that even within the fungal network, oh my gosh, it's so big. Nothing is agreeing with each other. They're, 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 they're omnivores and they're carnivores in the soul network, right? They're all existing together. You know, there are some that agree, some that disagree, but they all work in tandem because at the end of the day, there are nutrients that need to come from A to go to B. That's it. You know, if we can all as a human race, like humanity understand, we all need to eat and eat well, then, then, and even just the economies of scales within that can adapt and work in a way that it will not deter from us, but actually enable us. Because one, one question I had was, if food was not a comp- part of a conversation where food was there, it's there, right? We, if you want to eat it, you can eat. If you want access to it, it's there. It's not a conversation of, of hindrance what else could we be talking about hmm. what problems could we be looking into solving or or, or participating in mm-hmm. do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like why can't we get there that's actually yeah. my number one vision i just want to get to a space and time where it's not a food conversation it's a what are we doing with this vessel this brain what are we doing about it what what can we go solve mm-hmm. you know what i mean Absolutely. and one mom in, in my low-income community told me um she's a neighbor friend of mine she said jesse if you fed my boys, this is the youth, uh, the youth in gangs and stuff. She's like, you fed them, they will not have a reason to fight. I was like, are you kidding? And that's one of the, I was like, I'm, I'm, and we did a farmers, a market in our community for many years before COVID hit, took us out. But it was one of those things. If you feed the community, you're, you're fed. Mm-hmm. Why am I fighting you? 
you know what I mean? Like, I don't need mm-hmm. to. I, I got mm-hmm. work to do. There's this stuff mm-hmm. to go deal with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So how can we get there? That's, that's mm-hmm. just my challenge is how can we put ourselves there? So I yeah. love what you're thinking there, man. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I love that you're, you're doing it. You're out there doing it. So um, maybe talk a bit about, um, you know, how, how you got this going. Like, cause you, you managed to work with, you know, local people in the city and they have contributed their backyard space or whatever space they have to the project. So I guess, yeah, talk about, you know, how, how it's developing and, um, and how you are, you know, helping to address inequality and in access in access to food. Um, there's uh, a lot of undoing in that question that I have to, that I found myself actually stepping into. So, uh, like I said earlier, I started a farmer's market and I wanted to bring, uh, I was, I was, I was planning to be a market gardener, which is I'm growing everything to go to market and, and sell there. So, um, but what I, what actually hit me in the face was every time I came, uh, to the market with my, you know, you know, the, the, the terminology we use in the market is pile them high and see them fly. That's that's the, the the language we use. So I, I pad them high and wait to see them fly, and, and and people came by, and I'm thinking, yeah, here we go. I've now arrived, market gardener Jesse. Here we go. I'm in. <laughs> What's up? But people that came in, and this was a lot of them. They came and looked at my beet, kale, chard, whatever I had that day, and they would look at it and say, I can find that cheaper somewhere else mm. at a grocery store. I can find, and they can name the grocery store by it, just like that. Yeah. I care, I can find it cheaper there. And they walk away. That just, there was not an ounce of conversation on the food. Mm-hmm. And week after week after week, I'm sitting there, I'm like, what have I done wrong? I've grown it 100% way that I know it's ecologically sound and has all the nutrients it needs. It's, it's legitimately healthy. And I've priced it to fit the market. So why am I going wrong? And it, it bugged me for, for, for a while. And then I called my friend one morning and she said, um, you know what the guy mentioned uh, Soul Food Farms, Michael Abelman? Mm-hmm. I had a chance to meet with him uh, over dinner and he said, Jesse, th- this space needs crazy people like you. <laughs> so when I called my friend, she was in, she's in the same dinner as me with Michael and she said, Jesse, remember what Michael said? You gotta be crazy. So I said, okay, fine. Here comes crazy. <laughs> so I said, anyone that's coming in, and that asks me and says, I can find whatever it is that's cheaper, kale, carrot, beets, whatever. I will give them the produce. Here, take it. Go try it. Next week when you come by, tell me how bad it is or we can tell me a difference or whatever it is that you want to yell at me at. Here you go. It was a bad business plan. Right? <laughs> so I gave, anyone came, beet a giveaway, chad a giveaway, carrots a giveaway. Man, it was like, you know, a lot of those things, am I doing it right? But but it felt right. It felt right. The following week and weeks that followed, none of the people who came by asked me about cost anymore. All they talked to me about was how much can I take for this much? I have $25. How much can you fit in that 25 bucks? That's what started the CSA program, the community supported agriculture, where they knew how much they can afford. But they were just like a, a collection of things that can that can gain. So every week we create a market box that you pay ahead, come in, pack up $25 worth, and you're out. And so what I learned that day was we have a very misguided, I don't know if misguided is a way to use it, but we have a grocery store mindset that we've put 
plugged in. So when we go to a grocery store, we never ask that we're shopping for nutrients. We're just shopping for what either looks good, what's financially viable, or what I'm gonna a recipe to a food. But we don't think about the nutrient value. So when my when when those uh, my, my, now my pharmacy members came back and they were telling me about that beet they ate, they were not talking to me about the cost of the beet or telling me about the nutrients of that beet, the taste of it, the value it gave them, you know. And that is where that light bulb in my head went like, whoa, blaring is like this is what needs to happen across Toronto across everybody three million how many are we like three million yet are we yeah something like that every single one of us needs to eat a farm fed meal like from the farm no middle nothing just farm to your table and you eat it to understand what has been going wrong for a long long time right Mm -hmm. and that is where i started changing the sense of now there's now a problem with equality because there's a sense of accessibility because of the cost and the sense of inaccessibility because of the cost, mm-hmm. but the product is still the same. So what has changed in that economy? So what I started challenging myself was, um, even I think I alluded earlier when I said that we have uh, farm shares that we sell to restaurants that we sell to, in the, in the, I think it was in the abundance uh, breakdown I was trying to give out. Um, and we have a, uh, uh, a not-for-profit organization called Food Share that we support. And we also have other people that come to buy uh, uh, ad hoc and even, even to farmers that we sell to. What I started realizing was even after all that is done, I had still stuff. And it's not that it was late or it was bad, it was this stuff. So I started wondering, you know, I can bring, I can do something good with that. Even, even with the stuff that was going to with food share, for example, because my farm share members pay for the farm functionality of the farm completely, mm-hmm. right? The reason why I really, and I, I want to be, and, I've, and I've, I've tried to be as transparent as I can with how my finances are done. Even in my social media, I, I went ahead and broke down where our money goes. And just to showcase that, my vision is not to feed just me. The abundance is way beyond my capacity to eat. Like in a good meal, you can only eat what your body can take and that's it. There's no other space. Mm-hmm. So with this, I learned that I could take and I have, I have now a, a capacity to determine where it can fit. So I could go to, uh, there's a, uh, I, I partnered with uh, Foodshare and Toronto Community Housing and we started a market in the building and I would bring my produce and, and buy some from Fuji and some that I've had for, for myself. So all the garlic, kale, chard, everything that's excess, and I would bring it to the community. And I didn't have a, I had the lowest denominator dollar figure, right? Because when I, when I was meeting with my community, they told me, don't give us food for free. Do not do that to us. Give us dignity. And I, I use that word so much so to, to stress how, uh, participation is so valuable for human being, right? Because what we just talked about earlier when you, when you planted that garlic, your ability to put that garlic down gives you a sense of satisfaction that you've accomplished, right? That is dignity. Mm-hmm. So if we can exercise that, even in the economy of scale of, of financials, uh, financials here, uh, when we're selling to, to the community, I did, it was not a profit space. I was not there to make profit. I was there to perpetuate dignity. So I would have like grandmas come down to me and, and 
maybe a beat was like a dollar fifty for a bunch, maybe fifty cents. You know, I didn't really care about the prices, just just to be kidding. And some grandma came in and said, um, "I am fifty cents short." In my head, I'm thinking, "I don't care. Just take the beat." <laughs> I just want to. I do, but I don't want to stress that, right? And she's and I told her, you know what? It's okay. I have fifty cents here, and she said, "No, I will find you the fifty cents." And she bought the beats, and she was with with. Uh, she was kind of disabled; she couldn't walk properly. And she asked me, "Could you help me go to a?" So I walked with her back to to our apartment, and she found change for twenty for fifty cents to give to me. And says, wow. "Yes, thank you." You know, and I'm in my head. I'm thinking, you know, give you some more produce here. You know, <laughs> you know. Do you know what I'm saying? But that to me is where we need to create this meaningful spaces, right? Where it's not based upon the ability for me to grow my farm and become a big name. That's not the vision and, and what I'm hoping to do is if we can create these meaningful conversations where food is accessible, right? What you need to eat is there. Doesn't matter if your income is, is up this way or down that way, you can still have access to here. There, there are things you can, we can put it, there that can actually affect this that's where for me it, it gives me more flavor in in in, in this conversation so um it, i had to change i had to readapt and rethink how that is but these opportunities keep showing up and these moms and ever, right now my community know during the growing season they come and knock on my door hey are the garlic ready or is the beets ready is, they know they come and knock and tag and sometimes when I, i'm actually thinking of building a fridge you know, in my front uh, lawn because zucchinis come in in a, a major abundance like there's so much mm -hmm. so i started putting zucchinis in my front yard and in half an hour they're all gone and i'm eating <laughs> zucchinis about that big mountains of them and they're gone yeah you know and it, can you imagine that kind of a conversation in our city how beautiful that is mm -hmm. where it's not a matter of accessibility it's just a, a it's just a matter of of just presence Mm -hmm. You know, so that that's where I think I'm hoping I'm, I'm capturing the, your your question right. But that's yeah. where I'm hoping I can put myself in a and equip others to think this way, mm -hmm. right? and 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 challenge why we're we not thinking this way. Mm -hmm. You know, and I get it. Toronto is expensive, food is expensive, but should it be? Mm -hmm. Should it be? Yeah. You know. And so is that? Is, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, so is that what you would call, like, is that what you describe as the community supported agriculture model? Or is, would you say that there's more to it? There's, there's, I would say, okay, so uh, let me see if I can capture it right. So the community supported agriculture piece is it's actually an old uh, idea that came in, I think it was uh, late 60s, not early 70s in the States. Um, and what the, the, the context is, as a person who does not have a farm, but you want to support a farm, you quote unquote invest into the produce that's coming in for you either depending on your velocity weekly bi-weekly large small whatever it is but you but you you join into that community and, and and participate in that within that same scale that those who can afford a bigger box multiples or a single or some that can afford only one box or two boxes a month you know so those their scales that are fit that but where I want to, to change that idea for myself is tell my CSA members, the money you're paying for, you're paying the top dollar of it. That beat is actually not a dollar fifty, it's actually four dollars for that bunch. 
are you okay paying for that? Because the more you pay for that, it actually allows me to move the food there. Mm. Are you okay with that economy? And I've not, for the five years we've been running, I've not had any customer telling me too expensive or anything. Because once they know that the money we are getting from you isn't just sitting in my bank account for my Tesla, that's not the thing. <laughs> not to knock over Tesla, but anyone who owns but it's not. But you get what I'm trying to say. It's not like trying to create wealth for myself to look like I am. No, it's mm-hmm. that's not. The context is for now is to grow the economy and the community that they, that's there to create access. Mm-hmm. So as my as I move the food out to this side, my CSA members are not feeling bad that the same beat they bought is now cheap on one side. That's not the conversation. The conversation is accessibility. Mm-hmm. So when I bring it into my 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 space here, where where the, I'm selling it for a buck fifty, if not, it's it's the conversations there are. I know I get emotional just thinking about it. It's it's very. Um, I don't want to use the word fulfilling. That's not even just capturing. It. It's uh, it's endearing. It, it creates a space that whoever is going to, and when they participate in the food itself, there's a sense of satisfaction, that's a word, satisfaction, right? And it, it, it holds space. And I'm, I'm sharing this, I'll, I'll give you a quick note in that CSA aspect where, so there's this side of the CSA where they can afford it, the participation is financial, right? They have the financial participation. Here, it's not, they don't have the finances to support it. Mm-hmm. But this way it becomes incredible. Those moms, those grandmas, those families, those kids, they come and help me unpack the produce. They help me pack up my car after and clean up. They help me sell during the day. They help, I didn't even know this. They had planned a birthday present for me. <laughs> I did not even know that the, the building, one of the moms went out, sent some kids to the grocery store to buy all these baking ingredients. She made me a birthday cake. Oh. <laughs> that's adorable like think about that that mm-hmm. to me is where that community support is not should not be only financial like that gave me life mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying that gave mm-hmm. me you know like think about it tech days suicidal i want to get out just knock me out i'm out and this is now i'm getting life back mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so there's a there's there's two denominations of of what the csa program is all about but the more you engage on the humanity scale, my goodness, my goodness, mm-hmm. man. I have, I have moms who, uh, gosh, she, she, uh, we, she was from Somalia and she came by and she, is, she started speaking Swahili back to me and she started feeding me. When I came to market days, I was coming home with full dinner, like a full meal. Wow. Like a, like a traditional Kenyan meal. Wow. Some, some flavors in there. Like, <laughs> this is what community supported. Uh, that's what it's all about. That mm-hmm. humanity connection, you know, it creates so much value that we've, we've lost it yeah. in the, in our, in our strive for profit, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's why I said earlier, I, I want to be as transparent as possible in everything I'm doing in mm-hmm. that there's nothing I even with with the microgreens they know it's and it's in my basement. I just I spent like ten thousand dollars this winter to remodel this room for more growing, and I have friends who actually a friend of mine called me before this call and said, "Hey, I need space to grow my to grow my seedlings." I'm like, 
I got room. Come on out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, yeah. that is where I think we need to go back to. Because this is this is how our um, you know, my my grandparents, my great grandparents, this is how they lived. Mm -hmm. This is how they participated with each other. You know, famine when when famine hit Kenya, for example, it was it was hard. But famine came in after the colonials came in with their monocropping. Yeah. Right? Our drought wasn't based on the, the lack of rain. Right? We knew where the water was. Do you know how we did? We let the elephants find it. Mm. And once they drank and they're good and other animals came in, we just came with our pots and took whatever we needed. Right? But the, the mm. animals told us where the food was. Mm -hmm. Right, but but we we we've lost that connection. We've lost that connectivity and pace of life, and tried to move faster than everything, and 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 it, it just messes things up. So mm -hmm. it's it's about time. So with with what I'm hoping I can I can create and develop is in uh, on my. I, I don't know if you've read Robin Waldkimmerer. Yes, it's my favorite book. <laughs> I knew you and I were gonna be good friends. <laughs> my goodness she wrote this article um it's called the uh, service berry and i didn't know she wrote it and a friend of mine as uh, one said jesse this is this is you need to read this drop everything and read it and i did <sighs> she said this uh, there's a story that she gave out and, and speaking about how uh there's a conversation about wealth and and you know when you hunt you store and keep and and you know because winter is long and everything and when she was talking this story goes that the, the conversation between a hunter and the person visiting the hunter and the hunter said i will store my wealth in my brother's belly my brain melted like i could i couldn't understand that it it completely goes against everything we're living on today that that mindset in itself will kill the insurance company will mm -hmm. destroy banks, it will destroy the whole economical system in that my wealth is in you. Mm. I'm storing it in you, mm -hmm. right? That means that whatever I have is for your benefit and whatever you have is for my benefit. Oh yes, my God. I know. Like that is, I challenge anyone to read that, that just find that braiding sweetgrass is, is a journey in itself. It's that the book. best, it's the best, oh it's the best. God. Yeah. It's, it should be a Bible. <laughs> It, it is it is it is oh my gosh I, yeah that to me is where i think we need to learn to not i wouldn't use the word undo but journey back to yes work. yeah yeah and it's not a hard way it's not really that difficult right you know i growing up and doing what i'm doing is based on your health and wealth you know the way you will prosper that's your journey but I'm storing mm -hmm. my wealth in you mm -hmm. as much as you're doing it for myself and my kids and you, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. community. So, oh my gosh, yeah. it was, it's everything. That book is everything for me. I, everything. I, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cannot recommend that enough. And I haven't actually read that article about the service baby. I'm going to read that. That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Trust me, you will be, we'll be talking some more. <laughs> okay. Incredible. Incredible yeah. breakdown. Yeah. That amazing. Lost. Yeah. I know. But the beauty yeah. of it is the simplicity that's within it, right? Yeah. It's not that it's based on complexities, you know? Yeah. It isn't. The, the complexity we have, and this is what I saw, I'm sorry, I'll jump in too quickly, but as you can tell, I'm passionate about this stuff. Um, the complexity is when we try to hide things, when we create, 
try to eliminate transparency, then we create complexities to protect what we're trying to hide. Mm. But once we have it like this, the complexities goes away. Mm -hmm. You know, like the, I don't know who coined this phrase, but they said, if you can't explain to a five-year-old, then you don't understand it yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I use my kids as my lit litmus test. Do you get it? And they say, no, mm -hmm. dad, that makes no sense. Well, then I have to rethink it. Mm -hmm. I bring mm -hmm. it back and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That's exactly A, B, and C. I get it. Yeah. You know, and that we should go back to that. We mm -hmm. should go back. We should bring, we should live it now. Yes. It's yeah. not complex. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. All of that. Wow, that's amazing. So I wanted to talk a bit about the importance of urban food security and just kind of, um, you know, how we can think about moving towards that, right? Because I think in this current moment with climate change, with, um, you know, inflation during COVID and people having a harder and harder time accessing food, um, and, you know, like, as you said, all these rooftops that are just absorbing heat and things like that. Right. Um, I've seen you posting on your Instagram, a number of like, uh, photographs that are really kind of solar punk esque about how Toronto could be. So yeah, I just wanted to talk about, you know, how we can think about transforming our urban space to, to achieve that, that true kind of food security. Right. And I think that your model, um, is so interesting because I had never, like before this, I had never heard of people farming, you know, like, like you have people throughout the city who have just said like, yeah, take my backyard, take my balcony, take this, take that. So you're farming in all these, these different little locations, right? But together it creates something, you know, much bigger than the whole. So yeah, I guess talk about your thoughts on all that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for this stage, my friend, because it's, it's exactly what I want to talk about. But anyway, it's something, it actually came from a, from a, I, I use, I had, I, like I said, I came from the tech brain, which is very egotistic to, to this brain, which is ego doesn't work. So I, we were driving around the city uh, with one of my uh, biggest mentors and uh, this is pre, pre the pandemic. So just driving around Toronto, showing him the city, he's been here a while. So driving around, he said, Jesse, you can't feed this city. And I actually got mad. I was very upset. The ego in me was like, what are you, what are you talking about, man? I can live in but he's like, let's do the math. Three million people approximately. Your farm capacity can only feed at, at your best, maybe 150, 200, maybe. In a percentage of a three million, how many zeros point past the decimal is that? You know what I'm saying? So, and it started asking myself, so what is it? What is the question? So my tech brain goes to do, okay, let's 10 X, you know, that 10 X mindset, let's 10 X already farm. And I'm looking, that's just the death of me that I can't farm seven, 10 acres by myself. You know, it's not going to happen. That's just not. So I said, and I kept calling, I had, I had people calling me. I have, I have friends who are well off investor mindset that call me like, dude, 10 X your farm. You can get more, whatever. And I, I had to work against that because whenever they talk to me, I could tell what, what, what level of conversation they're coming in from. So when, when they talk to me and, it, and if it spoke to my ego, I knew that's not the way to go. And if it spoke to my humanity, I'm thinking, okay, let's lean in on that. And a friend of mine started working with me on the, not just accessibility of it, but the knowledge exchange of farming. And I was like, wait a minute, in tech, I can never knowledge exchange because that's that's IP that I'm, I'm giving to a, whoever that can take and destroy. But in farming, it's knowledge exchange perpetuates how many people can eat. 
that means I can affect more people eating by sharing what I know. I'm like, whoa, that's interesting. So let's dig in further. So I went into um, inviting people to just join my farm, see what they can learn and do. So uh, a daughter of a very close friend of mine came and worked with me one summer and she tried taking more and more responsibility. And now she's almost farm managing the whole place. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that, I didn't, I didn't do anything about that. She just learned from what I was doing now, this leadership involved in that, huh? That means I can now consult and do other bigger things. I can, okay, that's strange. And then somebody else came from the woodwork and say, I can help you manage this whole farm. So now this is my, my partner now, uh, uh, Misha Shojai. And brilliant mind, managerial, uh, structural, phenomenal, phenomenal friend. And he's now managing all the seed planning, crop planning allocations of, of where we should be going. I'm thinking, wait a minute, that just happened. I didn't lift a finger, that just <laughs> happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Let's take this further. So I called my friend. I didn't know, by the way, I didn't have a microgreen operation here. Called my friend, uh, Jonah from Living Earth Farms. And I said, Hey, I'm thinking about, a, a, a microgreen stuff. He's like, come, let's, let's have a chat. So I sat with him for about forever. Busy guy, by the way. And his farm is one of the biggest microgreen operations in the city. Mm -hmm. Okay. He sat with me one-to-one. -one. Okay. Okay. How did you use soil lights, everything? And at the end of that, I'm paying like $2,500 for his lights. I'm going to Costco to buy trays. I'm calling my, at the end of it, I had a microgreens operation. Like that just happened. And so <laughs> where I want people to understand is when we start losing our ability to, of trying to make us bigger or, or grow, or I don't want to lose this, is, when we get to a point of just having that open transparency and, and learning from each other and adapting into where you're at, your community is different from mine and my people that need food are different from yours. However way you can find out how that works, I'm still here for you as much as you're there for me. That connectivity grows this whole system. So my farm as it is right now with all these backyards, I have people I can call and say, that yard is yours, that yard is yours, that yard is yours. In fact, I have, I have a, people calling me from the woodwork saying, I have a whole summer, can I work for you? I'm thinking, yes, come right in. <laughs> and the more they learn, the more they go and do their own things, I'm thinking this, it's working. So when it comes to that question of, of, of security and, and food itself, I look at resiliency. That's what I try to bring to, to actually conjure and try to, to create. So resiliency for me is doesn't matter what the government decides to do, doesn't matter what the economies decide to, to turn left or right or what ideologies happen, our need for food will always be need for food. And if we're all thinking, I don't care who where you stand or if you sit when you farm, I don't care if you wear a hat or a turban, whatever way you're oriented. Our goal is to feed and learn from each other. So that in itself brings us like this, right? My neighbors are Italian. They've been here longer than I've been alive, right? They've been farming way longer. This house was built in 74. The, the family that built this house, the wife is still alive next door. And she's the one who's calling me. It's like, have you, have you planted your tomatoes, Jesse? This is the time to plant your tomatoes. <laughs> You know, have you done? Okay, I have. Okay, and and you know, you make sure you put uh, eggshells ready. And she's giving me all this knowledge. I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then 
when I grow my stuff, I have peppers and, and stuff that I grow in the season, I give it to her. Guess what I get in return? She gives me meals in return that I've never thought of cooking. Mm -hmm. She gave me this, oh my gosh, it's, it's uh, onions uh, with peppers, uh, some, and uh, oh my gosh, I forget what she, eggplants. Oh my, yes, eggplants. I cherished that meal like it was my last supper. Mm -hmm. It was so good. <laughs> and I told her, Every, everything I'm getting is coming to your house and you got to teach me how. Now I'm learning how to cook that meal. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So there's a, there's something about that security that is based upon this, the transparency and openness mm -hmm. and equipping each other. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm not taking from you. I'm not trying to rob you. I'm not trying to, to extract and take away from. Do you know what I mean? It's the opposite. It's mm -hmm. I'm, you're, you're bringing it in. And as much as you bring it in, there's, there's a lot more. This abundance economy will blow people's minds. I don't think we fully have grasped the power of this. So mm -hmm. we talk about securing food. It's not about protecting it. It's about opening it. Mm -hmm. right? A friend of mine did it best. He said, you can't protect a lion in a cage. You go in there and try to protect it. It will show you I'm very capable, my friend. I'm very happy. I can take care of myself. Just open this cage and let me show you. Right? So if we're thinking about protecting and securing our food, we should do this instead. Let it flow open mm -hmm. and be transparent for those who can afford. Go ahead. For those who can't, let's facilitate and just create that conversation there. And, and this will, you know, the, the what got me upset is in the end. Uh, it's a story I'll share, but I'll be careful who I, 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 I point out to. So the community market I told you that I go to uh, that we did in the um the low-income space uh that sorry the total community housing that we go into and we bring in our food there uh there's this uh so i was setting up my table with my produce and this young mom with a with a young kid in a, in a stroller like storms at my table with a finger to my face and saying why are you bringing us rotten food and she caught me kind of like thinking i i i grow my food i know it's on the table I've checked it. There's no way. Before I could even think and respond, she walked, stormed off. And I was left there thinking, what the heck did this happen? So I checked every produce I had on the table just to make sure, you know, sometimes human error, but I know I just harvested it. So that it's not rotten. I packed it myself. Mm -hmm. I unloaded it myself. I get, I, there's nothing. And she came back again, this time with another friend. And I'm like, so she came in again, really upset with me. But, but this time when she came in, she pointed away from my table across the foyer to the other side of the building. And she said, they are bringing us rotten food. You know, and I, and I stood them and I had to say, I am not with, I don't know who that is. I'm not with them. This is grown by me. And I'm, I'm working with that organization. But this is the food that I have right here. I guarantee you there's nothing rotten in this. Mm -hmm. And there's a sign of a labor of calmness in there. And I gave the kid an apple and, and that mean we just tried to converse, but I was kind of lost in just the pain of a mother who cannot find food and anything being given, donated is on the, on the, dis, the, the discarded pile. Mm. That bugs me to no end how we call that humanity. Mm -hmm. That to me is where food security doesn't need to reside. It does. That's not food security for me. That's not in any scale. It doesn't work for me at all. And I'm, I'm 
could be wrong in the near future, but for now, I don't believe that's the way we should work. We should create meaningful spaces that create connection. I know you, you are my guy who grows or wherever it is that your food is grow. I know you. And whatever you come to me with food, I can participate in that and I have access to that. So mm -hmm. my wealth is stored in, in you as much as it is stored in myself. So there's nothing to secure. It's secured mm -hmm. automatically by us creating a humanity, human to human connection, mm -hmm. right? So that disjointed piece is where it becomes very problematic for me. And that's where I think perpetuation of food and waste comes in. Mm -hmm. Because that mom knows what she needs and what her baby needs. And if you're bringing something that you can see right there, you're not going to eat it. Why are you mm -hmm. bringing it to me? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. when, it, when I'm, I'm very careful when it, when it comes to this conversation because I've seen it and I'm seeing it being still active today, today. Mm -hmm. But a friend of mine coined it best. Food is political. Yeah. Right. Very much so. So I have to be very, 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 very careful how I interact with food and who I'm interacting with food with. And the, this, the pace that I found that is, does it not create intrusivity and, 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 and destructive conversation is when I now bring, I have the, 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 the I, I'm gonna call it my weight to pull in myself into that community and not have, a, I, I am 100% certain that the food I'm bringing will meet the need that's there. And that mm -hmm. mom will not be questioning me on the food I'm bringing, because I know I will eat that food. In fact, mm -hmm. I'm eating that food. In fact, yeah. I'm sending that food to a higher person who's going to pay top dollar, mm -hmm. right? I can stand by that, you know? So I think the challenge that I'm hoping I can put forth is if, if, if there are other bigger farms, big organizations that have this mindset, they need to define what their enough is. If the economies are met with that scale of maybe a CSA program, grocery store, whatever, and that economies are there, that excess that's there should not be for profit at all. And it should not be degrading in that it's not, it's not dying off. It's not like a shorter shelf life and that's what you donate. I am, I disagree hundred percent. That should not be how we participate mm -hmm. in that. It should be that you're taking what you know is of worth and putting it where it needs to be and facilitating that conversation. That's mm -hmm. what I'm hoping I can create. So with it's, it's a big conversation, I know, but for me, it makes sense that the food that I grow has many tiers it can go to without the degradation of its value. So not just value, but it's worth so that it's I'm not giving it because that beet has been sitting on my shelf for six weeks. That's not. That's not, it shouldn't be part of that conversation. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? No, yeah. that's not what I'm doing. I'm doing that. I've, it's, it's done well. It's for every single person. And the people up top who are paying top dollar, understand, I need, I need you to buy it so that I can push it into where it needs to fit mm -hmm. completely. And mm -hmm. I, hope I, I hope I'm asking yes. a question. No, but yeah. Desperation, take that's it out of the equation. Disconnection, take it out of the equation. Disjointed, take it out of the equation. Reverse all those words and you will solve food security. Yeah, yeah, and I just, I, yeah, I find what you're doing so incredible because it, it gives me so much hope to think that, like like you said, it's really just about um, sharing knowledge so that everyone has the ability to understand and grow their own food and participate in some way, and then really moving into this kind of, um, you know, mutual aid, reciprocity, connection kind of thing so that you, yeah, you, you know your neighbors, 
you can work together with with all these little spaces in the city that are just going to waste right now like we can do this right and we don't need you know we don't need like the government to step in we don't you don't need all of that stuff we can do this um we can do this with the space that we have and like the communities that we have right i promise you this i'm going to take out a billboard in toronto i'm going to call it i want to have a big word reciprocity right there yeah <laughs> I promise you that I'm going to put up a billboard out in Toronto somewhere <laughs> and just have a big word reciprocity and say to support your local farm. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, we need to go back to that. Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. word is so powerful, man. Oh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. I can breathe absolutely. into that. So <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I feel like I could talk to you for like four more hours about this, but we've been going for about almost an hour and a half. So I'll, I'll just end. I know, but I'll just end with this this question because I think that a lot of people hearing this are going to be, I mean, hopefully as inspired as, as I am to get involved. So I'm wondering, um, you know, I guess talk a bit about how you you learned the skills that you needed to to take this on. And you I guess you talked a, a bit about that already throughout, um, you know, throughout the podcast and the different people that you learned from and were able to take from. Um, but most importantly, like what advice would you give to beginners like myself or people who are inspired and wanting to get involved and wanting to learn to, to grow food and connect with their communities. Um, you know, what, what advice would you give to people? Thank you. Um, my mentor put it well, my, a friend of mine, Curtis Stone put it best. He said, Jesse, you have to have your skin in the game. You have to. And before you, you, I even, when I came into farming, I could, like I said, I read the books and I did everything, but like I said, I'm a child by fire kind of guy, but I had to do it. I had to physically not just embrace it, but immerse myself in it. And so I have, yeah, so Curtis Stone is one and my good friend, Hannah Hunter, uh, Julian Keach, uh, Ran Goel, who runs Fresh City Farms, all of them have been very instrumental in teaching me and understanding what this, but I had to also do it myself to understand it. So my challenge, not challenge actually, for my, my advice I would share with anyone is start growing yourself, be it indoor, being in a pot, being in a box, outside, whatever way you can do, learn it. You know, if you can, and you can understand what is a definition of good soil. How does that happen? What is that? What does that look like? And the simplicity of good soil is the smell. You know, the rainy smell that comes in, you can smell the earth. That's mm -hmm. a smell of good soil. Does your soil have that? You know, having dirty hands, there's nothing wrong with that. Being outside and sweating, nothing wrong with that. And better yet, find farms, people that you know that are close, who are either you can farm with or learn from or participate in their, their economies. But just immerse yourself in that. Make that a rotation. But more so above that is the produce that you're working on, involve them into your own life. So for example, for me, learning how to can foods was so cool, so mm -hmm. cool. Like this winter, I did not buy a single can of tomato sauce. Wow. I didn't buy any tomatoes. I, I, I didn't buy any onions, you know, cause you, you, we, you saw those onions that we had. Yeah. Still there today, like all that time. So learn how that is done i didn't i didn't just wake up and understand i visited a farm a friend of mine from uh, cedar down farms and my friend leslie they showed me like this is how you winter store onions beets tomatoes like 
that's not rocket science. I can learn that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So the, when you put your skin in the game, when you adapt your life to envelope what you're trying to do, but, and this is what it is, it's a lifestyle choice, mm-hmm. right? It's funny how I make people who love working out, they run, they do all this stuff, but then I ask them, where's your food coming from? They point me to a grocery store. I'm like, really? You're buying garlic from China? That's, that's, that's part of your health regimen, honestly? You know, you're building a, a, a whatever machine this is that you're feeding it something that you can find garlic in Thailand, which is phenomenally tasty and mwah, so good. Mm-hmm. So I would challenge anyone who's trying to think about this to rethink and look at their pantry, look at their fridge, look at your lifestyle, look from top down and ask yourself, who grew that? Who's behind this? Right. And if there's a label and a, and, and a bunch of names of preservatives, then that should tell you how disconnected you are from it. Right. And the proximity is what you need to search for. How close can I get to this? Right. And I know, of course, there are difficulties with with some fruits and vegetables, some fruits we can have access to. But there's power in seasonality. The things that are accessible when they're accessible, when they're not, they're not. And it's OK. Right. And this is how I'll bring it to a, a quick story of a Luta No Time is running out. But in Kenya, we know passion fruit comes at a certain time. And once it's there, it's there. Once it's gone, it's gone. It's okay. Right. But we don't have that anymore because it's accessible. I go to a grocery store, I can find it. Right. But we don't right. understand seasonality. That mm-hmm. has been taken away from us. But we need to go back to that. Mm-hmm. And once you meet a farmer who's growing, they can tell you. Tomatoes, not in June, not in April. You gotta wait till when the sun is right. You know, of course they're greenhouse tomatoes, but that's another story for another day. But of course that, that's also something you can learn, right? But that to me is what we need to go back into. And as a beginner, learning your soil is paramount. Meeting somebody who's growing and is journeying through growing. Um, there are many like myself, by the way, I'm not the only one out there, but if you search urban farms in the city, you'll find them. Um, uh, and please meet them. They're phenomenal people, man. Support them, be present in their economies. And the more you learn with, and the more you learn for, you'll understand it's more than you can take. You have to give to somebody else, right? And the more you teach somebody else, the more you learn yourself. You become that vessel of conduit, you know, that knowledge transfer. And that, that is what I would say is for anyone who's beginning, just learn it. That's great. There's a bunch of YouTube videos, of course, but the more you learn, start doing it yourself. And more so if you can, meet with a farmer, meet with a gardener, meet somebody else around your community, learn with them, equip each other. And trust me, I've done this as an experiment as a farm, uh, my friends, uh, Fresh City, uh, before, I, before I had my own farm, I used to visit them when I had time. They were happy to see me because they're like, dude, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> See what you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, able body, let yes. go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That value is not just for yourself, it's for all of us. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I want to bring back to what I'm talking about is farming is the power of people. And if we can ever, ever, ever hone that, I promise you, we'll solve so many issues that, that we're calling issues today. There'll be abysmal problems in the future if we just understand the power of that farming is for you and for me and this connection. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you so much. Um, I Yeah, I am super stoked about this. I can't wait to volunteer more with you in the summer and learn more <laughs> with you. So thank you so much for all of this. It's absolutely amazing. Um, maybe could you shout out like, if you want people to check you out on, on Instagram or whatever, shout out where people can find you and Zawadi Farm. Totally, totally. Uh, you can find me uh, on Instagram uh, and anywhere actually at Farmer, N-J-A-U, my last name, Farmer and Jao. Um, I'm, I'm Facebook, Instagram, you can find me there. I think I'm on Twitter. Don't use that much. Uh, but you can find also my farm, Zawadi Farm, which is Z-A-W-A-D-I, Zawadi Farm. By the way, Zawadi Swahili meaning gift. Um, so I use that as part of the, the ecology of for the farm. So yeah, you can find us there. We are on Instagram a lot. That's I think that's one of our major spaces. Our website is simple. It's zawadi.farm. And my email is jesse at zawadi.farm. So easy accessible there. Um, yeah, just find me online. I mean, ask me questions. I'm, 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 I'll try and respond. This, this, sometimes I get overloaded. <laughs> just bear with me and I, I, I will respond. I do respond to messages. Um, but again, yes, we, we, the, the joy and, and the context is I came from nothing. I didn't understand this whole thing. And there's no way I can sit in front of you and say that I get it all. I don't. I don't have it all. But I'm learning as I continue. And the much that I'm learning, I want to make sure everybody else gets it because it's giving me life. And I'm hoping it does for somebody else too. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. This is fantastic and good luck. I can't wait to see what the firm does in the next you know, several years. Much appreciated. Thank you for this opportunity. I really, really appreciate it.